0: everybody William West for the beyond the column podcast I uh, hope you missed me because I missed you it's been a it's been a while since we've been able to talk uh, a lot's happened uh I took uh, the wife to uh, Nashville Tennessee last weekend We had a great time and you know what happens uh you get back to work and you get back into your schedule and things just get crazy as you take a few days off. So we're trying to put, put the pieces back together from a long weekend as we get our life uh, back in order. But what has happened is we've continued uh, to write some wonderful columns for the Troy daily news. And most of them continue to get pretty uh, good, positive reaction and good feedback. Um, But the one that I recently wrote, um, Not so much, I guess. And we're going to explore that. So uh, this one was published uh, on the Troy Daily News website on September 27th. Got a little bit of uh, time between uh, then and now, I guess, is the best way to talk about it. And we were digging into a new report that recently came out from this group called the Data and Society Foundation. I'll be honest with you. I don't know that much about them but if you go to their website uh, they will tell you that they are focused on the social and cultural issues arising from data-centric and automated technologies so obviously every time we uh, subscribe to something we like something we buy something online there's data that's being created everything we look at everything we do all of that is automated and because of all of that stuff that's being collected on us and watched on us. Data and society believes there's society and cultural issues that are rising from this. And so they uh, further say that they're committed to identifying the thorny issues at the intersection of technology and society, providing and encouraging research that can ground informed, evidence-based public debates and building a network of researchers and practitioners who can anticipate issues offer insight and direction. And all of that seems pretty credible work. Um, But when you get into this latest report that they've come out with, it's called Alternative Influence, Broadcasting the Revolutionary Right. On YouTube. And boy, that got my attention for sure. If you're anything like me, you probably spend a considerable amount of time on YouTube. And I'm not what I would consider an active watcher. I'm more of a passive watcher, which means uh, when I go to the Y, it's on, but I'm paying more attention to what is said rather than what is being viewed. Um, Same thing when I'm doing the dishes, mowing the lawn, you name it. I'm doing more listening uh, than I am watching. To, To me, it's almost like a podcast service, I guess, is the best way to describe it. And the groups from Data and Society said, you know, right now, YouTube is the second largest search engine in the world. So you want to know something. If you go to Google, you can read about it, but you can go to YouTube and you can watch it. You can watch it happen right in front of your eyes. 400 hours of video content is uploaded to the platform every minute. So the difficult conversations we have are uploaded there. Uh, Funny cat videos are put up there. Um, other things that are up there that waste your time or enrich your life. The whole gamut, the whole spectrum is right up there as 400 hours every minute. Uh, I found that and that just kind of blew my mind in any given month, 80% of 18 to 49 year olds. That that's my demographic right there. We'll watch a YouTube video. Uh, YouTube videos tend to be younger. As they leave the cable block box and flock to the mobile device, YouTube is becoming the platform where these younger people are getting ideas on entertainment, society, and culture. And, and I tell you, um, we're uh, we're in a household where we have not had a cable bill in probably 10 years. We don't have cable. Um, we get everything that we want to watch uh, specifically online. Um, Now we do have one of those over the air antennas, which, you know, get us four or five channels. And basically we might just watch sporting events with that. And it's amazing because I have friends who talk about, Oh, they hate this time of year, all of the political advertising that's out there. And, you I don't see it. Our family doesn't see it. It doesn't exist um almost. So we're not seeing it. Um it was funny. Um we took a trip to Chicago earlier in the year, and this was uh obviously after the Illinois primaries, and we did watch a little bit of the TV up there, and oh my gosh, I mean this was still June. This was still months away from the general election in November. And, uh, governor Bruce Rauner and J.B. Pritzker were just going after each other. I mean, I was, I was awaiting for the Bruce Rauner ad to say, J.B. Pritzker kicks little puppies. I mean, it was, it was intense. Um, but getting back to the report, you know, this report that data and society came out, um, was outlining how a number of YouTube commenters or influencers are attracting young people and they believe these folks are working in concert to attract the same audience. The report concluded that social networking between influencers make it easy for audience members to be incrementally exposed to and come to trust ever more extremist positions. And it was at that point where I just could not uh, find anything in the report uh, credible after that point. Here's the thing. I tend to believe that most people who are on YouTube and who use YouTube as an opportunity to hear other opinions are not going to buy into those opinions, hook, line, and sinker. Now, there's always that case where if you hear one thing and you hear something that says somebody else, you do have the opportunity of kind of living in an echo chamber. I get that to a point. But we also have to realize that individuals like you and myself we're living in this new world where there is such a low barrier of entry to getting ideas that we have out to a larger audience. And as you read the report, you almost get the feeling that any hysterical uh, view or idea as bad as it is either left wing or right wing automatically has this built in audience for it. And I think anybody that does any type of creative work um, on YouTube would uh, vehemently disagree that the audience is already out there. Those folks have to work darn hard uh, to get an audience to come to them to talk about the things that they want to talk about. Um, Bad ideas just don't automatically find a home on YouTube And this does not necessarily become uh, the downfall of Western civilization. I believe it was C.S. Lewis who said, uh, men don't have ideas, ideas have men. And I think that's a very important thing to think about because when we have these, when these ideas have us, you know, and we promote these ideas, we're not coming up with anything new very, uh, unique or creative or things that haven't been said before, there's a resonance to all of the ideas that are out there that come back to us. And we just kind of know what's happening. We know how these things work out and it's through kind of that metacognition process that we all participate in, that we know the difference between good ideas and bad ideas. And that's where reports like this from data and society get it all wrong. They tend to believe that if you believe X, you're automatically going to believe Y. And that's simply not the case. I don't believe that. And I hope you don't too. And I think most of the people that go to the trouble of putting together uh, YouTube content understand one basic thing they understand that they have a responsibility to respect their audience and what that means is that the, they're not going to treat the audience like a bunch of idiots i don't want to get too harsh but they realize that if you've searched them out and you've found them you probably have a mind that will think, and you will have a brain that will create some thoughts. And all they're trying to do is to tap into some of those openings in your mind to say, This is what I believe. They're not trying to take over your mind, they're simply trying to just get in there. But then it's up to you, as the listener, to take a step back and say, Hey, this is something that I agree with or this is something that I don't agree with. It's pretty simple. And, and, and the more that you expose yourself to different ideas, the more you expose yourself to different concepts, the easier it is to find out for yourself what works and what doesn't. And, you know, as you, you think about this, think about how on American college campuses today we're creating environments with, uh, with safe spaces. We're creating environments where things cannot be spoken. How do you expect students to effectively have the capability to critically think about things when they're not given all sides of an issue, when they're not given the ability to wrestle in their own mind how these things work and how they don't work. I don't understand that. In order for good to exist, there must be something bad. And if we can't name those things that are bad, everything then becomes bad. And so then there is no good. There needs to be the ability for us to clearly cut lines and to say, okay, this is a good idea and this is a bad idea. It's that simple. And we can't understand what a bad idea is until we confront a bad idea, we think about it a bad idea, and we know why that idea is bad. And so these alternative influencers, some of them are good. Some of them are bad. But the decision lies with us, and it lies within a greater society as we continue to see what works and what doesn't work. The marketplace of ideas will let us know what succeeds, but it will also, more importantly, let us know what will fail. And did we really need this report to point that out? Probably not. This is stuff that we kind of already know but it's not such common knowledge because we have to understand that those people who called the shots on the stuff that we watched and the stuff that we listened to aren't calling the shots anymore. I mean, think about it. If you wanted to uh, broadcast your voice, even 50, 60 years ago, you needed to get on a radio station. And there's a limited number of radio stations. Those radio stations can only transmit one second for every second. There's no way to kind of keep that information back. There was uh, no real ability to store that kind of infor- information like voice. And so it was a very limited bandwidth that you had in order to get your word out. Now, now, with ideas and concepts like podcasting, anybody can say whatever they want, put that stuff up on a server, and that message can go forward in perpetuity at any time for any purpose to be heard by nearly anybody. The possibilities are limitless. You don't have to expend a lot of money for the, uh, the equipment to do so. You don't have to sign a lease with a radio station. Uh, you don't have to do it at two in the morning. You can do it anytime you want, and it's accessible by anybody at any time. Same thing with YouTube. I mean, if, if you wanted to do uh, something video-wise, uh, you, you'd have to have a, a, a television studio or a movie studio and, and all of the uh, restrictions that go along with that in order to do distribute your message to a large audience. Not easy. But technologies change that, you know, you can now take your cell phone and make a YouTube video of whatever you want. And you can attract any audience you want uh, to do that. Things have really, really, really changed. It's kind of amazing. And so, what I'm beginning to see is that those people who called the shots in the past—they're no longer calling the shots now. And to them, that might be something that's very, 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 very scary. And I get it. I get it. Um, because if 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 you're now in an environment where you no longer get to ex- uh, extend the influence you once had. Not only are you losing that influence, but you're not even sure who that influence is going to now. This isn't something where you get to hand the baton off to somebody else who you kind of know. You have no idea what's going to happen from this point forward in terms of these messages getting out. And that's very important. And I think it's just going to show that right now the world is, is changing quicker and faster than even our oldest institutions know how to deal with it. Um, And even those old institutions like television and radio, 30 years ago, that was cutting edge technology. So even technology is changing technology quite a bit. So what do we do with all this? What do we think about? How do we do it? At the end of the day, you are responsible for what you consume. Be it an alcoholic beverage, be it a greasy meal, be it the stuff you watch and listen, whether on television or a movie or on, uh, or on your own cell phone. You're responsible for that. And you have to take steps to ensure you treat that material responsibly. So what's that mean? Think about the material critically. Think about the perspective in which that person telling you that thing is coming from. They have a different perspective than you. Doesn't mean that perspective's right. Doesn't mean your perspective's right. What it means is you have to begin to logically think about what they're presenting and whether it makes sense to you. Whether it makes sense for the world, really. There's going to be people that are going to tell you good things. There's going to be tough people that are going to tell you things that are false. You have to be able to discern between those things. And if you hear a good message and you've proven it to be true and you know it to be true, Share the message. There's not enough positivity going around in this world right now. And what I mean by positivity isn't necessarily things that make you feel better about yourself. But what I'm talking about positivity, I'm talking about those things that we know to be positively true that can help guide our world to a better place. Well, thank you for listening to this edition of the Beyond the Column Podcast. Get interactive with us. You can find us on Facebook, facebook.com slash beyond the column. Tweet us at Beyond the Column on Twitter. Send us an email, beyond the column podcast at gmail.com. Until next week, I'm William Lutz. Thank you for listening. Have a wonderful week.